Thanks for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time, or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus, so you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators. Well, good morning, Toowoomba. It is so wonderful to be here with you this morning, and uh, I'm loving this cool weather. I am from Cairns, and I never, ever, ever get to wear um, any winter, winter wardrobe, so I've busted out everything that I own today. I own three pieces, and this is it, right? So I rocked up in it today, and I am loving this cooler weather. Uh, My husband and I moved to Cairns three years ago from the beautiful Sunshine Coast to take on a church there and re-pioneer as Elevation Cairns. And uh, we are loving life up there. We've got three beautiful, uh, three. I don't have three children, I have two. Maybe I'm not pregnant, I promise you. (laughs) Surprise, no. Um, I have two beautiful children uh, who are three and one years old. And uh, they are with my husband this morning uh, up up in Cairns and he is preaching this morning. So please pray for him because I don't know how that combination is going without me there this morning. Um, I did FaceTime them this morning and they looked like they were at least dressed and looked like they'd been fed. So, um, you know, he's an amazing man, but he will need your prayers this morning. Uh, I'm also excited to be here in Toowoomba because I have two nights completely kid-free. And this is just like, although, you know, I'm technically working or uh, here to preach, it actually just feels like a holiday. In fact, you know, traveling on a plane without any kids feels like a vacation, right? I don't remember the last time I wasn't stressed and I actually had a seat when I was traveling somewhere. So, um, you know, I was just loving life, watching a movie, the whole movie, without it being interrupted. It was amazing. Well, um, as mentioned, uh, I'm, I'm a location pastor and my husband and I lead a church, but I'm also a clinical psychologist and uh, have worked in private practice for many years, working with children, adolescents and adults to treat a wide variety of difficulties um, from depression, anxiety, OCD, panic disorder, trauma, the whole, um, the whole spectrum. In private practice, we, we see everything. And, um, and so I really pray today that um, my experience and my training would really bless you today and send you away with some tools and strategies to help you to get out of a cave of emotional difficulty. Because, you know, being human, uh, all of us at one stage in our life are going to experience a, a rocky patch in our emotions. And, uh, or, or maybe there's somebody in our life today that we know is, is going through something and we could pass on these, these uh, keys and tools today. So it's gonna be a great morning together. But one of the things I wanna share with you and a little random fact about myself is in addition to being a clinical psychologist and a pastor, uh, I also own not one, but two candy stores. I know, right? When you looked at me, you thought she's a candy store owner, right? Um, I know, dead dead giveaway. Um, We love, my husband and I, um, a couple of years ago, we were looking to start a business and we thought, why not? Let's let's sell candy. And um, we sell mostly to the tourists in Cairns. We get lots of tourists and um, and we have lots of fun doing that. And we also have lots of fun trying to teach my three-year-old the restraint of not being able to have candy uh, whenever we go to the candy shop. But I have um, I brought along a little sample for you to have today from my candy store of one of our best-selling candy. So the team are gonna come and uh, hand you a little um, present from me to you that um, is going to just awaken your taste buds this morning and really wake you up. 
So these candy here, they are called the warhead. Who's ever had a warhead before? Mm -hmm. They are a classic old school favorite. Perhaps you can remember burning your tongue as a child and not being able to eat for the next three days after you consumed about 20 of them and tried to verse all your friends in how many you could fit in your mouth and, um, and not make a face. But I would encourage you, if you haven't tried one of these, open it up and have a try during my intro here because it's gonna be relevant later. We're gonna talk about the warhead again a little bit later. Well, while they're handing them out, um, we are talking about coming out of the cave. And this is all about coming out of emotional difficulties and living the life that God has called you to live. And um, all this talk about caves has got me thinking about a time when I, when I traveled to Fiji. When I finished school, just after school, I traveled and did some backpacking um, with my friend. And we went up to the islands in Fiji and we were spending a good amount of time there. And um, I was so excited. This was my very first overseas trip. And I was so excited that, uh, that I was finally getting to explore the world. And our very first stop was we were going up, up to the very first top island. And so we had to jump on a ferry and journey about four hours to get to there. And um, as we, um, being the excited 18-year-old that I was at the time, there was no way that I was going to be under the deck for that ride. I wanted to be up on top of the roof. I wanted to take in all of the sights. I wanted to take it all in while I was there. And... Um, but the unfortunate situation for me is that my luggage and I got separated. And my luggage was stored in a separate part of the boat. And the other unfortunate thing about this was that my sunscreen was in the luggage that got separated from me. Now, I know you can't tell very much from my winter attire here what sort of skin I have, but let me tell you, I did a DNA, ancestry DNA test, and I am pretty much 100% Northern Ireland, okay? So my skin, <laughs> ancestrally, does not get a lot of sun. And so I was on the boat for four hours taking in the sights, and you can imagine, Northern Ireland skin, no sunscreen, four hours in the Fijian sun. And by the time I got to my destination, I was incinerated. I was so burnt. I was the most burnt I've ever been in my entire life. And my poor friend, although she had great sympathy for me, she couldn't help but laugh at me because of how red I was. I was just ridiculous how, um, how burnt I was. And every person I met, they were just like, oh wow. <laughs> you know, it was immediately obvious that I had been burnt to a crisp. And I was so devastated that I'd been burnt on my very first day. I was like, man, I was so excited for this, for this, um, for this trip, and now I'm gonna be burnt and I don't know how I'm gonna do all of these activities. So you can imagine my relief when I looked at my itinerary for what we're about to do, and I realized on the very first thing that we were going to do on our trip was cave exploration. I was like, cave exploration, thank you, Jesus. This is the most amazing thing that could ever happen to me. Dark, covered, out of the sun, cool, out of the sun, wet, out of the sun. I didn't care, right? I just needed to get out of the sun. And the amazing thing about these caves in Fiji is that they actually, um, you have to swim to actually access them and a lot of the parts of this cave exploration is in the water, so I was just loving life. But it got me thinking about caves and this topic that we're talking about this morning. 
is that sometimes when we've been burnt by the sun, our caves can actually feel like a place of comfort. They can actually feel like a place of security and a place of safety when the burn of the sun has been so bad in our lives. And perhaps for a season in our lives, the, caves, the cave is actually an appropriate place to be. Sometimes we do need to retreat to the cave and find safety and security and comfort. But the truth is, is that burns don't stay fresh forever. And there will be a time when being in your cave no longer serves to protect you, but it serves to enslave you. It serves to rob you. When I'm working with people in the clinic room, I often say that there's a cost to staying in your cave. There might feel like there's a big cost to coming out of it, but there's also a great cost to staying in it. And I wanna ask you today, um, what is that cost of you staying in your cave? There's a Ecclesiastics 3, 3, verse one to five, says there's an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to avoid embracing. There's a time to go in the cave, but there's also a time to come out of it. There's a time when God is saying, okay, it's time, to, your heels, your, your, your uh, burns are not so fresh anymore. It's time to now come out and live the life that I have for you. So today, we're gonna journey together on how are we to come out of our cave if we know that we've been in there too long and we know that we're, we're potentially missing out on the call of God that is on our life. Now, when it comes to helping people to overcome emotional difficulties, psychologists typically focus on two areas. The first of that is behaviors. We look at what behaviors can we help people break out of and change in order to get freedom around their life. The second area is in thoughts and thinking. How can we transform the mind in order to help people to step out of the cave? And so this morning, my message this weekend is actually in two parts. Today we're gonna to talk about the behaviors and tonight we're going to talk about, um, we're gonna talk about the thinking. And so I wanna share with you today three behaviors that keep us stuck in our cave. And then I'm gonna give you some tools on how we can actually begin to put down those behaviors and begin to take steps forward out of our cave. So the first one that I want to share with you today is this one here. These are behaviors that I like to call the avoider. Just gonna leave that there. The avoider. Now this is the person that avoids things at all costs. This is the person who is active, in active avoidance of anything that makes them feel discomfort or negative emotions in any way. And sometimes this can be of emotions in themselves and it can look like a bit like a detached person, a detached from their feelings. That the feelings that they're experiencing are not matching the things that are going on around them or internally. And behaviors of the avoider look like things like this. It looks like social withdrawal or isolation. It looks like opting out of things. 
It looks like avoiding to try new things for fear of failure. It can look like non-attendance at work, at school, at uni, at church. It can look like mindless scrolling on social media for hours and hours, just trying to avoid what's actually going on on the inside, so I'm just gonna keep distracted. And it can look like um, lots of Netflix binging, or it can look like sleeping more than you need to, sleeping far more than you need to. So this is our first behavior and our first mode, I call them behavioral modes, that keep us stuck in the tent, our avoider mode. The second one is what I call our overcompensator mode. In simple terms, this is the be better, do more mode. And this is not always so obvious at first to be something that would be unhelpful and would be keeping us stuck in psychological distress. You see, some people, when they get burnt by life, they go into retreat mode. This is our avoider. But others, when they get burnt by life, they go into attack mode. It's called overcompensating. And this is the person who is determined to reduce their levels of stress by, by being better and doing more, by achieving more. If I can just get that financial goal for this month in the business, then I'll be better. If I can just finish off my to-do list, then I won't feel stressed. Who said that before? I'm guilty, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, if I can just get a distinction at uni, then I won't feel so bad about myself and I can prove that I can do it. People in the be better, do more mode are fixated on achieving. But the problem with this and why it keeps us stuck in our cave is that usually people with this mode have real unrealistic expectations on themselves. And they're so high that they actually never truly feel like they have ever achieved something because they can't achieve it because their expectations far exceed what they can do in the time and the resources that they've been given. And if they do achieve, often it's only a momentary thing before they're onto the next thing, looking for the next thing to achieve. And so they get stuck on this hamster wheel of trying to achieve and trying to be better enough and trying to be good enough and they're continually striving for more, but all that generally produces is lots and lots of stress and lots and lots of burnout. And so this is a behavior as well that if we don't get on top of, it will keep us stuck in our cave of psychological distress and emotional difficulty. The last of the three that I wanna talk about today so we've got our avoider, we've got our covert compensator, is our surrender mode. And this is the person who has, in simple terms, has given up. This is the person who has lost hope that anything could be different. They've surrendered to the cards of life that they have been dealt and they're just rolling with them. This is the person that says, well, I'm just never gonna be good enough, so what's the point in trying? I'm never gonna win at anything, so what's the point in giving it a crack or giving it a go? And this is what we call the freeze response. So we've got people, when they get burnt by life, they retreat, we've got people that get burnt by life, they attack, and then we've got people who get burnt by life and freeze and shut down and don't know what to do. And it's safe to say that at one point or another in your life and in my life, we have participated in one of these coping modes and in one of these behavior modes. And for the short term, they're not too problematic. 
For the short term, they might, be even, they're, they're, they, they might even be helpful. But it's when we continue to go back to these coping modes or when we stay stuck in these coping modes that we actually find ourselves um, getting into trouble and getting into distress. And these are actually behaviors that are at the root of a lot of our common psychological disorders. And so today, I wanna help uh, you or the people in your world to learn how to put down these behaviors so, they, so in order to come out of the cave and begin to live the life that God has got for you. Would you like to know that? Would you like to know that? Sorry, bubble. Water was not a good idea. <laughs> so, um, let's talk about that. The first thing that we need to do in order to get ourselves out of the cave and into the life that God has got for us is we need to get a vision. Get a vision. Now, often when people think about getting a vision, they think about what it is that they are to do with their life a vision for what it is that God wants me to do. But I wanna turn this on its head for a moment and I wanna encourage you not to get a vision for what it is that you are to do or do with your life, but to get a vision for who you are becoming and who you are to become. When we look at Abram in Genesis 15, um, Abram, God comes to Abram in a vision and they start having a conversation and basically, Abram is grieving to God that he hasn't yet been given a child. He's in a grieving mode with God. And God turns around and says this to him in verse four. It says, then the word of the Lord came to Abram saying, this one will not be your heir, but one who comes from your own body will be your heir. And the Lord took him outside and said, now look to the heavens and count the stars if you are able. Then he told him, so shall your offspring be. What was God doing here? I wanna argue that God was not giving Abram a vision for what he should do. He didn't say, Abram, I want you to go and you know, find your wife and you know, do the thing. He instead was talking to him about who he was becoming. He was planting in him this vision that he would become a father. And can I suggest to you today that a vision for who you want to be will be far more powerful than a vision simply about the direction in which you should go. Because when you strive to become the person of your vision, you will usually find yourself on track with the direction in which you should go. So how do you get a vision for who you are, for who God sees you to be? The first thing is we need to ask God to show us. Ask him to show us. He is a good God, a kind God, and he believes in us far more than we believe in ourselves. I'm so glad about that. Ask him to show you a picture of who you are now and who the kind of person he is forming you to be. Sit down after today, close your eyes, and allow the Holy Spirit to paint you a picture. Ask and, and, and observe in that picture what attributes do you notice about that person? What do they stand for? What would others say about him or her? What's their stature like? Not just what do they look like and what they'll be achieving and what they'll be doing, but who are they at the core of who they are? 
Allow God to show you. It will motivate you so much to come out of your cave. And the second thing is, is pull out what God has already deposited in you. You know, I believe that if you are a Christian baptized with the Holy Spirit, you already have a sense of who God is building you to be. It just sometimes gets clouded by busyness, by self-doubt, by comparison making, by negative thoughts about yourself, you name it. But if you can get in touch with that part of you again, I'm sure that you would discover a sense of who God has created you to be is still there. And here's how I want you to find it. Here's how we get in touch with how God, what God has deposited in us. Is I want you to think about someone describing you to somebody else. And as they're describing you to somebody else, you have a smile ear to ear because they are saying the most wonderful things about you. I wanna ask you, what are those things that they're saying about you? These are the things that are likely to be in line with the person that you desire in your heart and who you know God is calling you to be. See, a vision for who we want to become is so vital as a starting point to coming out of the cave. When you're starting an exercise program, you have a vision for who it is that you wanna become, right? You're seeing the six pack, you're seeing the muscles, you're seeing like the weight loss, you know, you've got a bit of a vision for who it is that you wanna be. It motivates you to get going. And this is the same thing when it comes to our emotional difficulties. When we get a vision for that confident person instead of the fearful person, when we get a vision of that, um, that uh, happy person instead of that sad person, when we get a, a, a vision of that, that person who is, um, who is going to, uh, the, the social events, instead of, um, instead of fearing away in their home, we can then be, it then motivates us to take steps towards that. And often when there's a gap between who it is that we wanna be and where we actually find ourselves, that's what causes a lot of our psychological distress. We call that a reality gap or cognitive dissonance, a disconnect between who we are and what we find ourselves doing. And this is a very uncomfortable place to be. But the key to getting back on track is getting a vision and getting back in touch with the vision that God has placed in our heart. The second thing that we've got to do in order to get free of our cave is what I like to call hugging the cactus. Hugging the cactus. Who's ever been pricked by a cactus before? Very painful. I remember being a very inquisitive five-year-old at my auntie's house, and back in the day, those little cactus gardens were really trendy. And of course, you know, your auntie says, don't touch the cactus, and what does five-year-old me do? Like, that's just typical of my personality, is I wanna touch the cactus, and I had this huge sting in my finger, and it was very uncomfortable. Um, but when I'm working with clients, they often wanna feel better before changing anything about their behavior. And this is a misconception by a lot of people is that we wanna feel differently before we start behaving differently. But it's actually true that when we start behaving differently, we begin to feel differently. Our feelings have to kind of catch up with us sometimes. So if we're really depressed, hugging the cactus might look like um, engaging in exercise, even though you don't really feel like it. Or it might be going out to lunch with a friend, even though you don't really feel like it. Or it might be saying yes to an opportunity, 
even though everything in you wants to say no. Our brain needs new experiences to experience different emotions. And when we stay stuck in our cave and we avoid the uncomfortable feelings, we don't give our brain an opportunity to experience something different. And so our reality remains the same and our feelings remain the same and our behaviors remain the same and we stay stuck in the cave. And so sometimes we've got to be willing to get uncomfortable to get out of our cave. We've got to get around that cactus and go, oh man, I don't want to do this. I know this is going to be painful. I know this is going to hurt, but this is my way to freedom. This is my way to coming out of the cave. And so I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to give it a crack. I'm going to give it a go. So if my behavior is avoidance, then I need to approach things. I need to attend that event. I need to go to that life group. I need to go to that job interview. I need to call up that friend. If my behavior is overcompensation, I need to plan a weekend off. I need to purposely do things imperfectly. I need to sit with uncomfortable feelings of not achieving something. Oh, hugging the cactus. If my behavior is surrender, I need to learn to lean into the thoughts that life could be different for me. I need to let others help me. I need to reach out for help. And no matter what our behavior mode is, mode is the way to getting free is to hug the cactus and get uncomfortable. My last point today the last thing we've got to do in order to get out of the cave is remember that it's just burnt toast. I want to bring your attention to that warhead that I gave you earlier. Who's had it already? Who enjoyed it? Who doesn't like me anymore? Oh, kids come into our candy shop, what's the sourest thing you've got? <laughs> and we have these, uh, anyway, I won't talk about that, but yeah, we're, they, there's people who really love sour things and there's people that are just detest it. But I want you to think about that experience for a moment of eating that warhead. I want you to think about it, almost bring it back up into your memory. Maybe right now your mouth's starting to water as you're thinking about that experience. Maybe your body is starting to tense as you're thinking about that horrible feeling of having that sour lolly roll across your tongue. Maybe your heart rate's increasing as you're going, oh no, is she gonna make us have another one? Or maybe you're getting really excited, wondering if somebody around you hasn't eaten theirs and they can hope, you can hopefully get it from them later. The reason why I point this out, your experience about having that warhead, is that it demonstrates that your brain actually remembers the way you feel about things. And it can remember the way you feel about things, not just from yesterday or not just from 10 minutes ago, but it can remember the way you feel about things from many, many, many years ago. And what happens is when we see things that are even vaguely similar to those things that have left a sour taste in our mouth, when we see even a little glimpse of a packet of yellow when we see a lemon, when we, see, um, when, we, when we even hear the name warhead, our brain begins to activate and react in a similar way to when we had that experience. And sometimes this can happen almost automatically and sometimes without our conscious awareness. See, the problem is our brain is a bit like a super efficient smoke alarm. 
You know, at our house, we've just had these uh, interconnected smoke alarms installed in our home. And they are the bane of our existence at the moment. Who, it, who thought of that idea? I mean, I know it's very safe and everything, but oh my gosh, they are a headache. Our smoke alarms in our, in our house, they are so efficient that they go off at any, any point, any change in temperature. Now in Cairns, of course, we're turning on the air con all the time, right? So it's going from very hot to very cold, or we're turning off the air con, and it goes from very cold to very hot. And of course, these interconnected fire alarms that are super efficient begin to ah, 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 go off. And uh, you know, the man says, push the button to turn it off, and you push the button, and of course, it doesn't turn off. And uh, they are just a headache for us. Um, we might be getting out of the shower and the steam makes them go off. Or we might simply be cooking toast in the kitchen and the smell, I swear it's the smell, there's not even smoke, these things are intelligent. It suddenly starts going off. And my poor daughter, she's so terrified of these smoke alarms now. Literally, whenever we go anywhere, the first thing she spots is smoke alarms. So I literally know where every smoke alarm in Cairns City is. Right, we're sitting on the on the toilet in the public um, public toilets, and she's like, "Mom, there's a smoke alarm." Or in the in the um, in the shopping center, "Mom, smoke alarm, smoke alarm, smoke alarm," and she's so anxious about these smoke alarms going off. The poor dear, she's only three years old, and we're trying to teach her that just because the fire alarm goes off, there's no need to panic. We don't need to evacuate. We don't need to start hosing down the kitchen if it's simply burnt toast. Because there's often no fire, it's just burnt toast. And our brain is just like that efficient fire alarm. It will sound the alarm sometimes when it thinks, when it picks up on small cues that something from your past experience is about to burn you. And it will tell you to run back to that cave and put up those behaviour modes again. But you see, often there is no need for that because our brain is sounding the alarm, but if instead of jumping back into our cave and getting back into avoidance mode and overcompensation mode and surrender mode, if we stayed out for a little bit and began to experience what was actually going on, 99.9% .9 of the time we would realise that it's not a fire at all, there's no need to get back in the cage and, a cave and put back on those, those behaviour modes, but in, instead we would realise that it is most likely just burnt toast. When you understand how your brain works, you don't have to be a slave to it anymore. You can begin to realise that sometimes my brain is gonna do things that because it, it wants to keep me safe. It's gonna pick up on small cues in my environment. But I've gotta ask myself, is this a fire or is this burnt toast? And maybe I've just gotta sound, turn the alarm off and recognise that I don't need to go back into my cave. See, part of getting free of coming out of the cave is also staying out of the cave. You have to keep moving forward. You have to keep pushing through the discomfort and hugging the cactus. You have to keep laying down those unhelpful behavioural coping modes and keep aligning yourself with that vision that God, has got, that God has given you and keep embracing the uncomfortable. You know, this journey of coming out of the cave is one of courage. It's one of courage. You know, I feel so privileged to work with the people that I work with, because um, it's hard. It's hard to come out of the cave. 
it's much easier to stay in there. It's much easier to stay in avoidance. It's much easier to stay in overcompensation. It's much easier to stay in surrender. But coming out of the cave takes courage. It takes strength to embrace pain. You are not strong when you no longer experience pain. You are strong when it feels completely overwhelming, but you stare it in the face and choose to take steps to improve your life. It takes courage to be vulnerable. It takes courage to come out of the cave. But God's desire for you is not to stay in there because He's got great things for you. He wants you to be free in your emotional life, in your thinking. He's got great call of God on your life and there's a cost to staying in the cave. And so today, I just really believe, and as I was praying and preparing for this, I just really believe in the closing of my, of my message that, that there's a God moment for some people. And I really believe that God wants to give some people some supernatural courage and some supernatural strength. Because who knows as Christians, we don't have to do things in our own strength. We have a supernatural advantage. You have a supernatural advantage to overcome your depression. You have a supernatural advantage to overcome your anxiety. God is with you and He wants to give you the courage to face those things in your life that have burnt you so that you can get free on the other side. And so I just wanna close by reading Isaiah and then I'm gonna pray. Isaiah 40, verse 28. And this, this verse has been a life verse for me. It says, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. For even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on the wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Amen right across this place, I'd love for you to just close your eyes for a minute. And I'd love to pray with you, friend. If you're here today and you know I need supernatural strength and I need supernatural courage to face this journey of coming out of the cave. If that's you today, I would love for you to just give me a quick little wave where you're at in your seat. Awesome, 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 awesome. So great, so great. I just wanna give another moment Come on, if you need supernatural courage and supernatural strength to face the things on the other side of the cave, awesome, hands going up everywhere, awesome, hands, hands, so great. Let me pray for you, friend. God, today, I thank you for these people who have raised their hand. I thank you, Jesus, that you are calling them out of the cave and they sense that call today. I thank you that your desire for them is not to stay in psychological distress, in emotional difficulties, but it is to be set free for that is what you died on the cross for. You died so that we could have victory in every and all areas of our life. So today, I thank you by your supernatural grace and power, would you fill them up with courage today? Would you fill them up with strength today? God, would you help them to take those steps to come out of the cave, to lay down avoidance, to lay down over compensation, to lay down surrender. God, would you help them to get a vision? Show them who they are. Show them who you are making them to become. 
God, help them to hug the cactus and help them, God, to not, um, not retreat, not to retreat back into that cave. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose and to make a difference. If you feel moved by today's message and want to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at highlands.au on Facebook or Instagram or head to the highlandschurch.org.au website for more resources and information. Be sure to follow the Highlands Message Podcast on your preferred platform to stay up to date with our latest message. We hope to see you in person soon.